When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Over the past few months, businesses, especially small businesses, have faced a lot of proverbial lemons, but the power of pivoting has become clearer than ever. We're here to share stories from PayPal merchants who have pivoted their businesses during COVID-19, innovating their way through uncertain and strenuous times. Welcome to The Adaptables. Welcome back, lovely listeners. As you know, I'm your host, Sarah Davidson, and I'm delighted to have Kira joining me today from London. Kira Madden, more commonly known as Kira London, is a female-only personal trainer who has not only pivoted during COVID-19, but established and built her online business and community almost entirely through the pandemic. Body by Kira offers tailored nutrition plans, live online workouts, resistance body bands, and has transformed thousands of women, including several celebrity names such as the great Rita Ora. She took her personal training course only five years ago, but has propelled onto the scene, working in gyms and studios, then creating her custom female-only sculpt class. Kira trained in person until this year forced her online, but has allowed growth beyond her wildest dreams. I'll let Kira tell you more herself. Welcome to the show, lovely. Good morning. It may not be morning where you are, but good morning from London. (laughs) I think that's why this is so exciting. The pandemic has allowed us to connect from all corners of the globe. (laughs) I know. And actually, it's quite nice because we're actually all in our own houses. So I do quite like that idea that suddenly you don't have to do the commuting and the office shirts and the it sort of spun everything on its head this year. Absolutely. And I totally feel like I'm being transported to London, which I miss traveling to so much. But as soon as I heard your accent, I was like, whoa, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll do a swap seat. I'll go to Australia. You can come to London because we are heading into winter and it is getting cold. So (laughs) I win. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) So before we get started, we've got a little icebreaker question to kick off. And it's just based on the idea that so many things in business start with very optimistic preconceptions about how glamorous and smooth sailing it's all going to be. But I think we all actually realize that those those ideas get busted pretty quickly. So what's the biggest assumption that you had about going into business that got busted as soon as you started? I think the biggest assumption I've had is that it would be easier. I think I I assumed when I actually worked for someone else that when I worked for myself, I would have loads of spare time and I'd be able to kind of do everything and I'd be able to sleep in and, you know, like go to go out in the evenings. And actually it's the opposite. You have no social life and (laughs) I've never worked so hard. So I think I thought it would be easier than it is. That's one thing that's for sure. <laughs> I think particularly in the fitness and health industry, it's one of those things where you think you're going to be the picture of health because suddenly you're living your mission and your purpose, yeah. but your own health and fitness kind of falls to the bottom of the list suddenly because oh, yeah. you're in charge Sometimes of everything. Like, yeah, <laughs> You just end up going a million miles an hour because 
there's no one to fall back on but yourself. <laughs> yeah, it definitely gets you ready for learning on the fly and just figuring things out as you go, which I think gave a lot of us a bit of a head start in coping with the pandemic when it hit. But mm. I don't think anyone could have fully prepared for what 2020 had in store for us all. So many people have had to re-strategize. Businesses have even temporarily shut down or changed their offerings completely to stay afloat during these times. So take us through how you experienced those early days and what some of your biggest pain points were as lockdown started and, you know, as, as the pandemic really started to hit? Well, actually, I went into lockdown. Well, not not actually lockdown, but I went into isolation a little bit ahead of the rest of the guys over here in London because my dad was showing sort of symptoms of COVID and I'd been around him. And obviously where I do like, you know, I was personal training and I was doing 12 to 14 clients sometimes per day. So I sort of made the decision that, do you know what? I might be a danger to you guys. So I went into isolation a little bit. It was a little ahead of time. I think maybe 10 days before it really started to kind of lock down here. Mm. So before that, I kind of was looking at what was happening in Spain, in Italy and France. And I could see that we might be going in the same direction. So I actually went out and bought a squat rack and put it in my living room. Ah. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I got a kettlebell, I got some dumbbells because I live in a one bedroom flat in London. And I was like, if the gym shut, I will really be like stuck. Mm. And I got in there just before there was a, a bit of a gym equipment Friendly. drought. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I was so lucky because I was just ahead of it. Like when I went in to the shop, the lady was like, why is everyone coming in today and buying like gym equipment? And I was like, Oh, just in case the gym shut, I suppose. And then literally the next day, everything was sold out. I was sort of lucky in the sense that I got a little bit of, you know, forward thinking. And then I put something on my Instagram and I just said, guys, if we go into lockdown, if the gyms close, if I were to do like live workouts, would you be interested? And everyone came back like 99% yes. So then I kind of, that's when I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to go and get my squat rack. I'm going to go and get anything that I need so that, you know, like if we do shut down, then I've got something to do during the day. And I just didn't want to, I, at the start, it was just me thinking I'm going to train myself. And then after <laughs> that, I just thought, well, if I'm training myself, I could let other people join in because in real life I was teaching classes all the time anyways. So I started that for free for like, two weeks where I was just doing workouts on Instagram and I was like if anyone wants to jump on and it just you know initially it was like I don't know 500 people then it was like a thousand wow. people then it was like 1500 2000 <gasps> and I think at one point there was maybe like three and a half four thousand of us every day oh my so gosh. yeah it was really it it just gained a lot of traction quite fast and at this point I was still kind of stressing because then the gyms were shut you know within a week or so everything was closed. And I was just thinking like, I'm not making any money. Mm. And the government at that point weren't offering any support. They, they sort of offered 
like a little program that was equivalent to like benefits and it was like if you're self-employed we'll give you I think it's around 300 pounds a month or something like that and I was like I I don't you know that is not even going to touch what my cost of living is so then I said to everyone who's in my live workouts within around two weeks I just said guys if I were to take this to a paid service do you, would you be interested and loads of them by this point had already sort of created like I don't know formed a bit of a bond and they were all <laughs> like yeah we would but I didn't know I was like you know they might just be saying it and then I don't know but either way I was like I need to pay my bills so even if I get like 50 people or 100 people and I get them paying something then it means when you know bill time comes in a week I'm not going to be like because I did have savings but I was like I didn't save to just spend it on my rent this wasn't the plan I wanted to buy a property and especially living in London to be able to even save money and and be in a position to buy a property I was like mm. I, I launched the subscription service I just basically created a private Instagram page and built a website that was already in the it was kind of in the makings for something else and then I just said look you can sign up here once you've your payment has come through and you know you fill in the form you give me your username I'll accept you blah 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 off the back of that I think we had like I don't know. Well, they crashed my website within like the first <laughs> hour, put it that way. So then I was, I had the stress of like, this is amazing. But also everyone's saying, oh my God, I had, you know, like a couple of thousand people messaging me like, I've made a payment and I'm trying to get in. And what do I do? And then, so it was a bit stressful at the start. And then, yeah, it grew to like around 9,000 for the majority of lockdown. And it's been pretty much fingers crossed since, <laughs> you know, the gym's open. It's, it's actually sustained itself and actually people have stayed. Whereas I was preempting that the second the gym's open, everyone would be like, all right, now I'm done. Bye. Mm. You know, like I've had enough of this home workout malarkey and I want to get back in the gym but actually I think people realize that well one you can transform your body from your living room and two this is really easy and you know I finish and it's like half the time I'm doing the workout I'm making my oats at the same time while I'm working out (laughs) then I jump in the shower it's just so easy so I think I was lucky because in a way I would say I crept into like people's habits. Yeah, that's such a good way to describe it. Yeah, I got in there just early enough that I became part of their daily routine. And actually, even once the gyms reopened, I was already part of their daily routine. So Yeah. yeah, I've been really lucky. I've been really lucky. Online is amazing. Like, you know, I have girls in Australia, in Japan, in Barbados, Trinidad, Nigeria, all over the world. And we're all training together at the same time. Sometimes, you know, a lot of the guys, if the time difference is too sparse, you know, like if it's too different, we have a thing online called Catch Up Crew, <laughs> who that's the name that they've kind of named themselves. Oh my gosh. Is, um, <laughs> they've got a life the of their who, own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the workouts stay up. So if they can't make a live, but then at the same time, we have lives going throughout the day. So usually, no matter what time zone you're on, there's something that you could kind of jump onto. 
Oh, um, Kira. So, <laughs> this is so, yeah, so exciting. <laughs> so wonderful to hear. And I think really, really reassuring that out of, you know, a really adverse, challenging situation based on complete uncertainty and an area that you hadn't tapped into before, yeah. I kind of think in, in this whole pandemic, one thing that's been really highlighted is that it has crept into our habits, but it's really revealed the habits that maybe weren't serving us or that we could reevaluate, but we just hadn't taken the time to do that. People have seen new ways of doing things and been exposed to things they might never have tried. But equally from the other side, businesses have seen things that they might not have tried. And I think if you had tried to start an online business from scratch outside a pandemic, you could have so easily spent 10 years getting it ready, you know, but now it shows you like done is better than perfect. You can just get your idea out there. Your website might crash, but that's a wonderful problem to have. People are quite forgiving and you can grow into an amazing idea in a very short amount of time. I think that's just a really, really reassuring example of the next question I was going to ask was, you know, when did you go from reactive to proactive? But it seems like you had kind of been a bit proactive before anything even happened. Yeah, I would say so too. I think that I'm one of them people where I just need to do something all of the time. Where I was doing, you know, 12 to 14 clients a day, as I said, my life was so busy. No matter what my day is looking like, I'll still find a way to pack 10 things in on top. Mm. You know, like to the point where actually I sometimes I literally get so overwhelmed and crack, but it's just, it's the way my brain ticks. I'm like, <laughs> I can't sit. I can't have an evening off. I don't really know what to do with myself. So I was thinking if we're going into lockdown, it was almost like a selfish thought at first because I was thinking if we do go into lockdown, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. you know, I was just like, <laughs> For your oh, own what workouts. am I going to do? I, <laughs> yeah. So I just sort of thought, okay, cool. I'll just wake up, you know, have breakfast, do whatever I want to do online, then get to like 12 o'clock, which is workout time. Get, then I'll do the workout. Then I'm going to feel better, whatever happens. Because yeah. as soon as I train, I feel better. And then have a shower, get ready. You know, it just, it, gives it was you structure. more just, how do I, yeah, it was just breaking up my day. Yeah. But, you know, that proactivity spiraled into something that actually gave other people structure even more than myself. Yeah, I, I actually think if people are looking to make a move into business but don't have an idea, the first place I say to look is go into your life and think about your selfish needs. What gaps do you want to fill in your life? And that's probably a gap for more than one other person. You know, if you're experiencing it, someone else probably is. So that's a great place. A lot of business ideas start from sort of personal moments and anecdotes of like suffering a gap in the market. I think that's where some businesses actually go wrong. They have a, an idea of a brand or a product or something that actually is a surplus requirement. Mm. And so they're thinking, oh, I'm going to invent this and I'm going to create that. And actually, sometimes it's just the basics. I, I actually was discussing this the other day. I was speaking about someone who I know recently who has created, actually has gone into like COVID testing. Oh, wow. And that's like, that is really smart. Like, because this isn't going away. And actually, I just went on holiday recently and I had to do a COVID test that I was charged 500 pounds for. Oh my so gosh. there's a lot, 
out there that are, it was a 24-hour test and that's why it was so expensive but you know it shows that someone else I, I was speaking to recently has gone into like recycling someone else their business is in toilet paper <laughs> and these are basics they're like necessities right now anyways and it's not very pretty it's not very glamorous but actually it's something that everyone is going to use yeah. so I totally agree with you it's, it's just thinking what do I use what do I need and not going too far with the idea. Totally. I think we also, we overcomplicate things in the conception of an idea, but we also overcomplicate the process of setting up the infrastructure. And I mean, your website crashing is an amazing, amazing problem because it was because of pure volume and you could never have predicted it would go so well. Mm. But I think that's also a really good reminder that you do have to get your basics right first. You have to get the right infrastructure to be able to bring customers onto your platform. If they've never done online with you before, they want to be able to trust that, you know, you're not going to have a data breach or, you, you know, that your their money's going to the right place. There's It's hard to build that brand trust and build that infrastructure if you've never done it before. And I think, you know, this year has forced a lot of businesses to use technology, some which are already familiar with it, but some who aren't and who had never considered going online. And now that you've seen the power of digital and you've really embraced it in your pivot and are training women in Australia and all over the world, what advice would you have for other businesses about embracing digital who might have been a little hesitant or a little scared? If you don't embrace it, you are going to be left behind. This is just the way that the world is going. Mm. You know, like certain sectors flourished during 2020 and technology is most definitely one of them. I, I don't want to say it's only going to get worse because I don't think it's a problem. I actually think that technology in a weird, I don't know, in a weird way, it could really help the world in the sense of, you know, I think it, it helps with people's carbon footprint. It helps with people saving money in terms of commuting in and out to work or, mm. you know, in London, for example, the cost to just travel in and out. A lot of people are spending like a third of their salary sometimes just on transport, yeah. you know, so actually online can be amazing. And if you don't utilize it, then you're just being pig-headed to a certain <laughs> extent because I can't recommend it enough. I wish that I jumped on it sooner, but everything, you know, happens as it should. Yeah, totally. Everything happens in divine time. And that actually is a really lovely way to lead to going back to the very beginning and tracing your story to here. You've been through so much this year in such a short time, but you've also already been through a completely different, huge pivot from PR to fitness in the beginning. And I think that makes your story such an inspiring example of the fact that you can go back to the start at any time, become a beginner again, like becoming a beginner in fitness, but then becoming a beginner online and just make a whole new amazing chapter at any time in a pandemic or outside of it. So take us through that initial move into the fitness world. How did you decide to leave PR? How did you build your profile and customer base at the start? And how did you set up your infrastructure in the beginning? Like how did you even get customers, you know, how yeah. did you tell people that that you had made this big move? It's so funny you say that because I 
still ask that question like I think <laughs> it's people always say this to me like they message me all the time like you know I'm going freelance or I'm going to do this and how do you get customers and I'm like I don't know the answer to that if I'm honest I think the truth is you just actually have to be good at what you do and trust the timing of you know word of mouth and stuff like that initially for me I was in PR that was you know I'd I'd studied that's where I you know thought I was gonna go and then I was in it for a few years and I just thought like I am not making any money in this Mm. PR is one of those industries where it's a little like fashion in the sense of everyone wants to be in PR like it sounds cool you know and that's probably why I did it as well I was like yeah I'm gonna be in PR when I was younger I watched I loved Sex and City and I was like <laughs> wow like Samantha is this rich PR woman and I, you know like so I had this idea about what that world would be like and then I was in it and I realized that everyone else had that deal uh, had that sort of ideal sorry and there was constant like interns or free labor you know like low salaries because people just wanted to be in it so they'd take a lower salary to get into it and I just felt like I can't move up here. Mm. And it was like, yeah, if you, you know, once you've done this many years, you're going to move up to this. And I was like, so what's the salary bracket for that? And they were like, I don't know, like 35,000 a year. And I once I broke that down in my head and I was like, so wait, I've got to work another few years to get like 35K. And actually in London, oh, that's going to leave me with what? Like 200 pounds a month. And I just thought like, this is not the one for me. So at the time I was actually in quite a toxic relationship, quite a long-term toxic relationship, actually quite a few years. And I was going to the gym a lot to just get away from that, to be honest. In the evening, what can I do to like not think about how unhappy I am? I know I'll go to the gym. And so I sort of found a love for the gym through that. I never really was, you know, I was always active when I was younger, but I just really concentrated on working out. I found that that was my mood changer. I would train and I'd be like, oh, I'm happy now. I'm good. I can handle you and, (laughs) you know, like your life. So then I kind of became, I wouldn't say an obsession, but it was like, okay, I'm going three times a week. Now I'm going four times a week. Now I'm going five times a week. And then it got to the point where all my friends were like, I want to come gym with you. And then it started to get a bit annoying because I was like, no, I actually want to go gym by myself and train myself. So then I just thought, I actually have a good friend who, she's another fitness influencer, Lily Sabri. Check her out, plug in Lily there. She's amazing. (laughs) And at the time she was doing fitness full time. And she said to me like, you really should do like PT. And then she sort of like pushed me on it. And then I thought, okay, cool. So I went to my PR company and I just said, if I want to do a course in something, can I reduce my hours? Luckily they were super cool. And they let me go down to like three days a week and I did two days a week PT course. And then I never went back full time. So after the course, as soon as I, even before I finished the course, I sort of started like practicing on friends and putting the word out so that by the time I was qualified, I had a couple of people interested. And this was a time when there weren't actually that many female PTs, I don't feel like. I think there's been a massive boom since then, but often the female PTs were like the bodybuilders Mm. and 
that I wouldn't say there was like that many everyday girls who just like going to the gym training people in the gym so uh, it was quite lucky because at the time you know in a strange way because of my toxic relationship I decided well I can only really train women I can't really train men and then off the back of that I actually had quite a few women ready to go so you know (laughs) I I just stayed part-time in PR and went part-time in PT I built it up to the point where I was like okay I can go full-time on this now so it was a journey it was a steady journey I think it's another example of you sort of finding a gap through your own experience and just discovering a whole new identity and career path without even necessarily realizing you were stumbling into one which is again really reassuring for people who don't feel like they're necessarily where they want to end up that with the right people around you either to push you away or to bring you together like like Lily and and to help guide you you can you can change anything and be an adaptable in any area of your life yeah now looking to the future you mentioned that at the start it was quite an unsaturated market but now of course there is a, a much more bustling kind of fitness industry how do you continue to innovate now that you're in that space I think obviously the the pandemic has forced a pivot on a lot of us, but outside of that, how do you voluntarily initiate and set aside time for innovation to keep yourself fresh and come up with new ideas? I think probably where I had worked in PR, that came in handy. I did know the value of like branding and marketing and becoming a brand, which was why it kind of worked in my favor to only train girls because it meant that I then had a niche Mm. and I focused on like booty building and stuff like that. And at the time, actually, I think people were a bit like, who does she think she is? You know, like, (laughs) because suddenly I was like, guys, you can do these squats and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then people don't really like that. They sort of, they want people to stay in their box that they have you know put them in in a sense you know like you're a doctor so be a doctor you're a dentist so be a dentist and so I think actually where I started building a brand in a sense one of my best friends is a photographer and quite early on you know like we did a couple of photo shoots and so off the back of that I started launching ebooks and stuff like that and they would always have a certain look to them a certain feel off the back of that I then always engaged quite heavily with an audience and I've often got my ear to the ground even now like I'm always saying you know what do you like what do you not like what do you want changed Mm -hmm. you know like and I think that's where a lot of people go wrong because they don't listen to their audience you know like I'm constantly like engaging and even with my squad, I'm always saying, you know, like, do you like this? Do you like that? Do you not? Do you, what what else can we add? What should we remove? You know? And I think there's a certain amount of humility in success where like you need to be able to listen to people and take their feedback and take their criticism without it affecting your ego, which is really hard. That's really hard. (laughs) And I don't even think I've mastered, you know, sometimes someone someone says something and you know, like, just like, yeah, you're just like grumbling to yourself because like it's a criticism of you, but actually, you know, in your heart that like they've got a point. (laughs) So I think that's important. And also I use social media a lot. So I listen and I look and I'm like, who's doing what? And, you know, why are people doing that? 
who is engaging with it and why do they like it? And I always ask people, even last night, I was out with some friends and, you know, I said to them that you know like we were speaking about my gym because I'm actually opening a gym um, oh my gosh how was, exciting yeah thank you it's been tough but yeah it's really cool so um and I was saying like you know I'm adapting it and I'm trying to just see what the government are doing and you know what do you think of this and what do you think of that and blah blah and I'm constantly asking opinions which can be good it can be bad sometimes I get overwhelmed in opinions yeah. I'm like I've asked so many people that now I'm totally lost. And then I end up going back to the drawing board and just asking myself. But yeah, I think if you want to stay ahead, you need to listen and you need to look, you know, and and I think then you need to be willing to be open-minded and, you know, listen to what people like, what they don't like and change. I think that's why the digital landscape is so powerful because you have a direct line to your consumers that you've never had before to actually check, are they happy with what you're doing or do they want something different? So that's one of the things that businesses can really harness and leverage. It's like a a daily real-time survey of like whether people are happy with what you're doing or not so you mentioned now you you're going back to a physical venue which is absolutely amazing in terms of going online and and all the learnings that you've had for building an online community that extends beyond physical geographical boundaries what do you think you will continue with and what do you think you'll leave behind from COVID? Do you think you'll keep all the nutrition plans and all the online programs or will you go back to more physical? Like what are you going to keep and what are you going to leave? Oh, I mean, online is my baby now and <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> like what time is it? Let me see. Okay, in 35 minutes, for example, I'm doing a workout. So that is UK 7.35 in the morning and we're all you know, in our living rooms together. We're actually nearly on workout number two. So I have people who teach workouts for me. So by the time it's 7.35, we'll be three workouts down and no one's had to leave their house. That's amazing. You know, even in Australia, for example, where it's 4 p.m. or 5 p.m., you could be doing the workout right now live with us in the UK. And in, you know, in real life, my classes were busy. They were always busy. But even, at, you know, it, the peak, even at my, like, top, top, top capacity, I could fit, like, 40 people in. Mm. And that was it. And now it's like, there's no cap. We can have everyone in at the same time. And it's a sense of community at a time where a lot of people are working from home. A lot of people are struggling with their mental health. It's been um, like amazing. I've, I've made friends with people I've never met. And, you know, I think that is so cool. And it just goes to show, I think, social media online gets a really bad rap. And actually, done correctly, it can be amazing. It brings people together. And I think up until 2020, it was like, social media is so bad for your mental health. Social media is terrible. Social media is taking over the world. And now suddenly, it's like, actually, social media kept me sane. Um, Social media brought me friends. You know, like, social media has given me a focus in my day. So I think that online, to me, it's... Um, it's an amazing portal and I will probably never 
move away from it now you will literally have to like pull you away from your screen yeah 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 i think you've left us all feeling so excited and motivated about the potential of the digital landscape and i am so excited to go and get all around your workouts and i'm so glad you'll be continuing those and have discovered a whole new arm of your beautiful business where can we find you and body by kira if we do want to join in so we're currently i mean the best place to go is just www.bodybykira which is spell c-i-a-r-a <laughs> I, I spend my life explaining my name so bodybykira.com or on instagram i'm kira london it's uh, <laughs> all pretty self-explanatory and then you can just come and join us sign up you can do it in australia we have 16 instructors now so wow. every day we have like yeah, it's cool. It's it's grown. So, and we're just, we're moving to an app at the end of this month as well. So all day long, there's just workouts, meditation, yoga, Pilates. There's something for everyone and it's 15 pounds a month. So before I was actually, I was charging, for example, 18 pounds for one class. So, well, I wasn't charging it, the gym was, but um, it was £18 a class. And now, because of the fact that you can reach so many people at once, so it's like, I can have thousands of people, it meant I could keep the price point lower. Mm. So it's £15 a month and you get 160 classes plus a month yeah it it, that's the amazing thing about online it's like actually you can hit a mass market which means actually you can keep your prices lower which I think is nice because there's an element of inclusivity you know I think it's it's changed the game it's an exciting time exciting time it's an exciting time (laughs) it is life-changing 2020 has been a year and a half as we all become the adaptables, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you don't, if you don't adapt, you get left behind. So totally. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I am so so excited for what's to come for you, and so appreciate you sharing your words of wisdom. Thank you for having me. Well, I certainly am feeling motivated to get moving and sweat my way into a new year. As always, I'm going to struggle to choose just a few key takeaways from this chat, but the first one that really hit home for me was to start small and let your idea grow. When we have a good idea, I think we all just want to rush to the end and start with the biggest possible version of our idea, but you really do need to grow into it and upskill along the way. So like Kira, starting with just a few people, she grew to 500, then 1,000, then 4,000. But at each stage, you learn something that really helps you for the next one. So I love the idea of starting small and then easing your way in, which then leads to finding new ways to monetize your services. As we know, initially, Kira wasn't charging for her services and was mainly just finding a way to train for herself. But once she realized she would need a new source of income with gyms closed, she thought creatively about how to use the services she was already offering to launch a subscription service using PayPal. And of course, in the process of doing that, it's so important to partner with brands who help protect your business and your customers when you make that transition. And we've heard about when Kira realized her business was going to be a prime target for cyber attacks and other kinds of security breaches that's when you really see how important it is to partner with someone like PayPal who's already a massive major player on a global scale so you're not reinventing the wheel. 
The next one was make your service a daily habit. Kira mentioned that she was lucky because, you know, she crept into people's habits. And I think we often overcomplicate things thinking that we need to change something structurally in the way the world works. But actually, all you need to do is just change people's daily habits. And in doing so, that leads us to the last takeaway, which I thought was just to embrace technology as much as you can. As Kira mentioned, if you don't embrace it, you'll be left behind. And she wishes that she jumped on it even sooner than when she did. But it's never too late. And as we mentioned, there are so many incredible resources and platforms to help you jump online. So perhaps for the new year, that's where you guys can head. I hope you've all enjoyed this second season of The Adaptables as much as I have. If you haven't caught up on our other four episodes of season two, please do head back to catch up now. Happy New Year. I hope you are all having a wonderful start to 2021 and that you are keeping adaptable.